0: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, supported by Le Cole. No Benji Nyson nice with us today. He's got unavoidable work commitments, unfortunately, so it'll just be me freestyling, and I must admit, it is a bit weird to be doing it solo. Today was stage four from Piacenza to Sestola, 187 kilometres long. It was supposed to be the medium mountain chaotic stage to spice up the third week. Last year, they had Aetna on stage three to try and spice up the GC action. This year, this is the hardest stage we've had to date. I think about 3,000 metres of climbing, maybe a touch over flat for the first 80 k's, allowing a large break to form, then rolling climbs of between 10 and 25 minutes. And then the finale is the Colle Pasarino, which is actually quite difficult, more difficult than perhaps I intimated on the podcast Yesterday. It's 4.3K, 9.5%, but it's difficult at the start. There's, I think, from 500 meters in to 2 kilometers in, the average is about 11, 11 11.5% with some steep pitches, levels off the end, and then the last 2 kilometers or so, 2.5, are a ridge line to the finish, flat ish. So, not a pure mountaintop or hilltop finish, which meant that Benji and I thought there'd be a break today, and there was. Combined the profile not really offering too much for GC contenders in terms of big time gaps because it's not that long a climb at the end and not a pure mountaintop finish. Combine that with the atrocious weather we had today and I mean well actually wasn't that bad. I mean La Flamme Rouge they got Italian people on board there and they were saying the weather wasn't actually so bad and it was bad enough, though, for coverage to keep dropping out. So that's my big gripe with today. I think RCS, who own the Giro d'Italia, they, I don't know if they paid money to have all of the stages broadcast in full or how that economic arrangement is working, but certainly if I'm GCN or Eurosport or SBS or whoever has purchased the Giro d'Italia in the full feed, unless you got the first two hours for free and they weren't part of the original deal, I'll be asking to have a bit of a discount on today's stage because the feed completely cut out like Yorkshire 2019 world champs in the men's race. And this always happens in Italy because of the technology that's being used by the host broadcaster, Rai. So Rai are the people likely to blame in this scenario for some reason or another. It just keeps happening. And we saw Romney a week ago that terrible weather, you can still have signal, still have live broadcast. And that was in the mountains too. This was in Just towns, etc. But you want to hear about that large breakaway. It was the stereotypical one you would expect without any GC threats, and it took a long time to form as well. It had in it Nelson Oliveira on Movistar, De Marchi, the Italian, I think he's won a couple of Grand Tour stages from a break before. Other threats, Valerio Conti, again, similar Italian, UAE Emirates, a threat from the break. Joe Dombrowski, the American, he's won Grand Tour stages. Quinton Hermanns, Antarame, to go Gobert, Pairing, perhaps, you know, when you're hung over, the best thing to do is to get in a break, but they were doing more than just getting in that break. Other threads, Volta Benji's favourite Hungarian for FDJ, Peter Seri, the only quick-step rider there, and there weren't any real satellite riders apart from, if you want to call Tratnik for Bahrain, but I'm pretty clear he's going for the stage win. And Trek had a few riders, Gabregs, Gabir, Mosca and Decourt, but no Brambilla or Ciccone. Ciccone too close on GC, as well as Vervaike and Vendrame and Christopher Jules Jensen. They were given a huge gap because no one was willing to help Ineos. Ineos were pacing pretty much all day with Filippo Ganna, the poor guy in the Malia Rosa, so he knew... I mean, I thought – I went in, again, it wasn't really – it was a bad question to ask in the pod yesterday. We were going to lose the Malia Rosa. When you looked at the final climb in detail, it was clear he probably would. And then when he was pacing for Ineos in these terrible conditions, it was definitely so. Anyway, they got a six-minute gap. The coverage cut out. I started listening to some Young Lean uh, music with Thai Boy Digital. I think the song was called. Diamonds, and then it came back on with about 75, 80 Ks to go. Shortly after, Quinton Harmans and Rain Tarame and Christopher Juliensen attacked out of the breakaway group, having such a large gap on a pretty ambivalent peloton, they thought, let's re-attack out of this group. Tarame, obviously, uh, stage hunting specialist, I had a pretty cracked Instagram montage of him uh, when he was at Katusha. He has direct quote said, If anybody's going to pay me a hundred grand, I'm going to keep riding. And I think we all feel that. And he was certainly one of the big threats from that group of three. They eventually got one minute and 50 on the group chasing behind, who were mainly headed up by Conti, Dombrowski, uh, Fiorelli for. Badiani and Damaki for Israel Startup Nation. They were doing a pretty good job keeping that gap stable. They eventually, brought it, they brought it down on every hill. Eventually, Quinton Hermans got dropped. Meanwhile, the Peloton is just, again, letting the gap go out to eight minutes at this point. Eight minutes to the Tarme trio uh, with Ghana still pacing all the time. Eventually, Puccio helped him a little bit. But yeah, it was pretty much Bahrain and de Kernick and who else might be helping them? Middleton weren't really helping. They didn't really have a need to either. But yeah, Ineos left to fend for themselves, which is fine. I guess they have the Malia Rosa. Eventually, Clinton Hermans, if I haven't mentioned, he was dropped with 45k to go. Tarame went early in a Romandy stage, blew up early the other week. Perhaps the same was, I thought it was a risk the same thing was going to happen today. In the group behind, Damaki was the favourite in live betting if they were to catch Tarame and Yul Jensen. Vandrame was trying to at- attack out of group two. The cohesion wasn't too good. Eventually, Cavagna took over for Dacone Quickstep because Ganna was pretty cooked. He was pulling alongside uh, Salvatore Puccio, and the time gap was still at about eight minutes. Eventually, it only started to come down significantly when Bahrain victorious. Got interested. We've just been doing rolling hills all day, but we do have this Cole Passerino coming up. They had done the Monte Melino climb, which in the middle, which when I saw Yul Jensen do it, I was like, oh, damn, that's steep, but nothing really happened out the GC group, to be frank. And yeah, Bahrain victorious with a team really eating into that gap. They were pacing on the descent, Morich on the descent, was even gapping Cavagna a little bit, and it was Tarme and Jule Jensen making their way to that final climb with about a 1 minute and 15 second gap on a smaller group now of Demarki, Joe Dombrowski, Fiorelli, Varvajka, Tratnik and Nicola Ede. I think Walter might have been close behind as well. Tarmei and Juliensen pretty much working together. The camera cut away. They were losing seconds so quickly to Demarkey pacing. Dombrowski was riding his own pace on this final Collier Passerino. I'll get to what's happening in the GC group afterwards because, trust me, the way they produced this, I got confused with the way they were cutting between break and GC. I know it's hard, but it was confusing. In the break, Demarkey gaining, 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 on Tarame, and it eventually, with three K's left, we saw the gap at about 12 seconds, maybe less. We thought they're not going to make it, maybe they'd even be caught by that point. And it was Joe Dombrowski. The minute they'd gone past Tarame and Yul Jensen, Yul Jensen tried to get onto the back of that group. And Dombrowski, I'm not sure if it was an attack, it was more a, a just a race of attrition, went past. Uh, Demarkey and just held this gap with both of them just riding their own pace held this gap on Nicole Pasarino and maybe because Demarki had been working all day I'm not sure but Dombrowski was able to maintain that gap to Demarkey and win this stage I think, let me look up his previous wins he's won, oh, I thought he'd won a Grand Tour stage maybe that was just Demarki. he's won three, uh, he won two stages of the Tour of Utah I I thought he'd won Grand Tour stages before. He's certainly, I think, gotten close, and he was a really talented climber. He's 29 now before, but he won the stage ahead of De but it wasn't all loss for De who has won three stages of the Vuelta, and now two second places in Giro stages. He goes into the Maglia Rosa Alessandro De Back in the GC group behind, we'll do the full stage results in the GC positions after we've completed that. In the GC group behind, we had Bahrain taking it up with Bilbao, actually. So it seems to me that they're using Bilbao below Caruso in the GC hierarchy, which I don't think is incorrect necessarily. Caruso was fantastic in the tour last year. They used Bilbao, Mohoric before them. Tratnik was up the road, but they didn't use him as a satellite. He was just going for the stage. They were pacing before that final, Collier Passerino at the base. They even split it when they started to hit it hard. De Koenig had been pacing with Knox a bit surgy, the way Knox had been pacing. I saw Honore shouting at him a bit, actually. We saw first Foss dropping out of that group. So we knew he, if he lost four seconds, he was out of Malia contention, although the break had taken the Malia. But Fos gone. Almeida started to drop very quickly for the current quick-step. This was not too long into this climb, and I think this was under, under the pressure of Bahrain victorious. And you could see Mazinada dropping back for quick-step, which I'll talk about afterwards, but I don't really agree with that. Dropping that early on that climb... I know it's steep, but it's not so long. They hadn't been doing it so long. Maybe the conditions took their toll on him. Remco Apol wasn't looking too good. He was in the middle of the group, not quite at the front. You could see Carthy moving up in good position. And the question was, is someone going to try and take advantage of quick Step's misfortune? You even had Seri kind of soft pacing on the front while Almeida was dropping. Bahrain did so pacing hard for a bit, foot off the gas, then Landa attack. He had to. To make sense of why his team was pacing all day, and he certainly did. He attacked. I think might have been after Ciccone. Ciccone did the same thing he did with Galapán on stage three yesterday. Where he's, it's very frustrating to me what Ciccone is doing. Where he said before the Giro he's going for a stage win, not GC. He then hasn't lost time on GC. He's then attacking out of the GC group whilst he hasn't lost time on GC. When if he was in the break today, he wins. And if he doesn't, if he hasn't lost time. Maybe if he had lost, lost a lot of time before today's stage, even attacking out of the GC group, well, the break of the So, it, it, what he's doing makes no sense to me. Just fruitless attacks out of the GC group. Lander bridges to him, starts pacing hard. Then I think Vlasov hears on the radio or hears, sees. Ebenipol's not up here at the front group. Almeida's dropping. Let's see what. Let's put pressure on him and Bernal. Vlasov attacks, and Bernal looks behind, and he starts to get in, in on the action. Bernal bridges to Lander in. Five seconds, they'd had Moscon actually at the front, pacing, trying to keep Chicone in check. Moscon, I mean, they said yesterday, and Brailsford said, Ineos want to ride differently, more exciting. And, you know, they didn't put Moscon and Narvaez in the break today. If Moscon's in the break today, if Chicone's not there, Moscon wins this stage. Like, pretty clear but uh, you can't criticise them when you see how important Moscon was on that final climb, keeping things together. So it does make sense if you go a GC to keep him back, but he was very important for Bernal. Bernal bridges to Landa. Gets in a group with Carthy, uh, Carthy Landa, and Chikone, as well as Vlasov looking good, and they start to work together because they've dropped Abinapol, they've dropped Almeida, and they've dropped Tour of the ounce winner, Simon Yates. He was not looking good either in the wet conditions. So... Super impressive from Bernal. He's certainly on fine form. His Strava data before uh, Giro said that, and he's showing that today. Avonopol was pacing the group of Bardet and Yates behind, and that was pretty much that. This is the stage results now with Bernal and his group going ahead, I think about 11 seconds before the Avonapol group. It'll make sense when I read it all out in full. Dombrowski first, Demarkey second, 13 seconds back. Fiorelli, he came like top 10 in the bunch sprint. In Navarra, he came third. <laughs> I'd be, be looking at that guy. I might sign him as a climbing sprinty boy. Vervejka fourth, Tratnik fifth, Walter sixth, now in the white jersey, I believe. Ede seventh, Oliveira eighth, Tarame ninth. Juliensen and him perhaps going fourth a bit too early. And uh, yeah, Juliensen tenth. And now for the GC guys. Bernal 11th on one thirty-seven with Vlasov-Landekati. 11 seconds at one forty-eight. Even Paul yates Mm, it's giving same time for Martin, Formalo, Betio, Caruso. I guess uh, that's correct. I didn't really see how big that group was, but I guess that's correct. And then behind Avonapol, 17 seconds back, was Moscon, Vendrame, And then Potts, Potzev- these are the GC contenders that really lost quite a bit of time today. Potts, Buchman, Nibali, Sivakov, Hindley, Martinez, Soler, Bilbao, Masnada, And then Bennett was at... He lost 90 seconds to Bernal, so that's really bad from Bennett. Um, He's Giro, no chance it doesn't seem like to me. Almeida, though, six minutes back from the stage winner, which means he was four and a half minutes back on Bernal on this climb that didn't take them that long. It's a 4.3-kilometre climb. The average gradient's under 10%. For a guy, I've been singing his praises as a guy that limits his losses very well. He did not today. He cracked completely, perhaps even under the pace or pressure of his own team pacing. Knox, Demarkey and co. Not great from Almeida. And his GC ambitions at this year at Italia are over. Even a pole is the only option for quick-step on GC. Otherwise, concerns for Ineos in respect of Sivikov, not looking fantastic either. Buchman, Potsovivo, I mean, I didn't expect too much better. They didn't lose too much, but you would have liked to see them in the Avonopol group. Simon Yates is a little bit more concerning to me than Avonopol. Avonapol, I guess, A, he's got the last TT, but I don't think there's a lot more climb before that last TT. But B, wet stage, it's his first week, Back racing. He's come back from that injury. First climb, first major climb back from that injury in racing. And it's just a really horrible day. Simon Yates, though, is coming in with super hot four from the Tour of the Alps, winning that. And he was the favorite for this year's Giro. And it was actually, it was able to pull on the front of that group. Yates was just clinging on. So if I'm Bike Exchange, I'd be a little bit concerned. Are we getting, I said in the preview, maybe my GC preview on my main channel, is there a, this, which Yates are you going to get? And is there gonna be are we getting the Yates that is just sort of clinging on? But the big winner is Bernal. Yes, we knew he can do these watts anyway, we knew he can perform like this anyway, and this doesn't mean that his back is going to be fine in the third week. But there certainly is confirmation that he looks to be the strongest of the GC men right now. The way he bridged across to Lander, I'm sure on a longer climb, I have no doubt he could have dropped them. Carthy looked excellent again on steep climb, bad conditions, conditions look very good. And you'd have to say Landa and Vlasov, they'll just be very consistent, not only for challenging for maybe the top step, if there's a big problem with Bernal, Yates or even pole, or Bernal in particular, but yeah, podium for those three or two looks pretty likely for at least one of them. I think there will be a big cracking in either Yates or even pole, don't know which. But, yeah, pretty interesting stage. I'm not sure we got the medium mountain chaos they were hoping for. It was pretty much just a punch on the final climate. At the end of the day, it was only an 11-second GC gap. But Demarkey goes into the Rosa 22 seconds ahead of Dombrowski. In terms of the GC men, you've got Vlasov, four seconds ahead of Avonapol, and Carthy is about 14 seconds behind Vlasov, same as Egg and uh no, Simon Yates a little bit further back at sort of 25-35 seconds because of those TT losses. But before we get into the preview of tomorrow's stage, I want to mention our show partner, Lacole. They've got a Giro Code special for you, LRCP20, all caps. The 20 is in numbers, not letters, uh, until the end of the Giro to tell you to get 20% off any of their products. They brought out their new. A collaboration with mclaren project aero you can go and check that out through the link down below and they are making this podcast possible and certainly when benji and i do the tour de france podcast hopefully in person because i fly out to europe on the first rest day of this euro on tuesday that's through la support but yeah pretty interesting stage if you're watching on youtube or uh Podcast players, let us know on Twitter or in the comments down below. Time to preview tomorrow's stage, which will not be as interesting. Modena to Catolika, 177 K's long. We've got the Chiclamino sprint, 70 Ks in, then the bonus second sprint, 136 K's in, and then a pretty flat finish in Catolica. They it looks like a two UAE or tour of Turkey stage. It's a straight line, pretty much, until 130 Ks are done. So maybe if you wanna, you know go and ride your bike or do something else, famous last words, then maybe just tune into the last 3Ks three, three or 5Ks of this one. Favorites of the stage, Merlier, Ewan, um, all the sprinters, Viviani, Nizzolo, Sagan, you'd be expecting to be up there. Honestly, Merlier looks really, really good. And um, I'd have to look at the odds for, for tomorrow to really express a view on who's the value, but I, I'm not sure I see Ewan... Ewan might be better in a vacuum side by side, but Merlier seems to be in fantastic form and I just don't trust the Ewan lead out. So I don't really have a strong view on, on tomorrow at all. Uh, but otherwise, I just think is it one thing that I wanted to come back to was the Mazenada dropping back for Almeida for Quickstep. I think we sometimes underestimate when these these young talents have come through Ebenapol, Bernal, Pogaccia and we think okay, they're already two of them have already won the Tour de France, and you know they're already GC-born winners. But we've seen this year already, their teams as a whole are not, and, and the riders on those teams are not used to protecting the jersey day in day out in a stage race. UAE in Basque Country, uh, sort of very bad mistake and an obvious error that you wouldn't have seen Ineos else make, where they allowed they took the foot off the gas and didn't go and. A tricky descent in the front. You'll always see Ineos do that when they're protecting a jersey, particularly in a a stage they're trying to control. And then today, seeing Masnada drop back with Almeida cracking so early, I don't know, maybe Masnada was dropping himself. But to me, I thought De Koenig would have approached this stage by trying to get Masnada in the breakaway to put pressure on the other teams because there were no GC threats, no satellite riders in that break. And I really thought, Masnada getting up there, he's not going to gain time in the TTs, he will lose time in the climbs, the big ones, one would think if Bernal is firing getting him up there is a big way to put pressure on Ineos, but Ineos are being lent on a lot as well by the other teams, Bahrain let them do a lot of the work and then came through late so Bahrain are looking good, Quickstep definitely will be licking their wounds and thinking about how they're going to approach tomorrow or the, the next stages, I mean in terms of difficult stages to come the stage six after the sprint stage tomorrow is a long climb to Ascoli Piceno. I think you'll see Almeida working as a domestique for Avanapol there that climb suits Almeida a lot more it's steady gradient it's under eight percent it's not even the the final ramp the average is six percent so I think we'll be seeing Almeida working as a domestique Uh, for the rest of this race. Otherwise, I'd like to see Ciccone losing time on GC so we can get the break, but you can't get, uh, yeah, you can't have your hopes every time. I was a little bit disappointed Tarame didn't win. I've obviously uh, was hoping to put another Tommy Cash montage together, but you can't get what you want every stage. Ultimately, a pretty good stage would if they, in terms of stage design, if they changed the finish and had it as a mountaintop, would that have changed anything? I don't really think so. I think the way Ineos were approaching it was see who was weak or cracking, play defensively and conservatively, and then attack with Bernal if you do see an opportunity arise and try and be opportunistic in that sense. Has it affected the GC sort of betting market? Yes. Uh, Vlasov is now eight to one to win the Giro. Bernal's heavy favorite, three to uh, two to one. Yates is drifted a lot, Avonapol's drifted a, a fair bit, and Lander and Carthy have come right in. Is that an overreaction? I think so. When you look even in the world to last year, the people strong on the climbs changes every day. But that was just me doing the Giro d'Italia Stage 4 recap today. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know if you watched uh, the, the stage itself or you maybe you turned it on and you couldn't watch it. And uh, we'll be back and I'll be back with Benji tomorrow because doing these solo monologues, very difficult to collect your thoughts. Until then, ciao!